Okay, firstly, my name's Jonathan. I'm married to Georgina, who's over there with our little one in her arms. That's Isa, our daughter, who's nine months old. We will have been married six years in April. We moved from Bishop Stortford, from the church that Stuart and Melanie were at, to be here in Birmingham in December 2010. Uh, it's been, what a journey, what a journey. So when I say that, it's a loaded, there's a lot of emotion behind that. There's been some intense highs and there's been some really awkward, difficult bits. But overall, when all things are taken into consideration, our life is richer and better for being here. And um, so that is quite remarkable, um, having made such a massive move. Both George and I hold jobs in this, in, within the uh, full-time jobs in the city. George is on maternity leave now, but she works for the local authority in their legal services department. And I work for a charity, a West Midlands-based charity, which tackles youth homelessness. So they, that's our day-to-day nine-to-five, although George has got ISA at the moment. So that's our nine-to-five. On, um, in addition to that, with Real Life Church, Stuart and Mel have asked us to lead the life groups, which is our midweek meeting. So I'm just going to do a self-shameless plug for life groups. Um, effectively, when we moved here, there were eight of us. We were a life group together before the church existed. That, as numbers have grown, we now meet on a Sunday, we meet publicly. And our life groups have gone from being just one, the meeting, to having four of them. Our fourth life group was launched two weeks ago, um, which, is, which for us is really, really exciting. Um, we've invited huge numbers of people to join those four groups, new faces. And we're in a period where we think it's important to build friendship, develop um, uh, oh, what's the word? Uh, well, community is a nice word. I'll take that. I'll take community, but it's not the one. Fellowship. Sorry about this. Yeah. All right, nerves. So, fellowship. So, we want, um, yeah, so um, come to know our community, build friendship, and develop fellowship with one another. In the same period, we're looking for, to develop the next set of leaders for our life group as well. So, um, it's a time when we're expecting, we're anticipating that some more groups will be launched soon because they're quite overloaded, but one step at a time. Um, right. So that's, that's about us um, and why we're here and what we're here to do. So I'm going to start moving over into the, to the preach now. We've been going through John in the Who Is This Man series and we've arrived at John 14. So if, you, if you've got a Bible with you near you, on your app, whatever it is, maybe, um, we're at John 14. We're going to do the whole thing from 1 to 31. While you're searching through the pages, I want to do a previously in the series, a bit like 24, okay? So we've... Uh, we've uh, the most recent um, topics have been, um, have been the triumphal entry, Jesus entering into Jerusalem on a donkey, the city turning out to praise and worship him. Uh, you may be very familiar with the story. Now, that, moving on from that, we've got um, Lazarus, a very good friend of Jesus, dies. Uh, he's dead for three days, and it looks like uh, everything has just gone completely wrong for this man, Lazarus. But Jesus arrives on the scene and actually raises him from the dead. Um, Stuart preached on that a few weeks ago. A remarkable demonstration that Jesus has power over life and death. Um, Most recently we looked at the Last Supper and Jesus washing the feet of the disciples, serving them, preparing them for a meal, often a job which is not suitable, not worthy for anyone but the, the, the most low servant to wash the feet. But Jesus in an act of serving his disciples prepares their feet for ahead of this meal um, in, a, in a demonstration that he's here to serve us. He's not a king to be worshipped and for us to solely praise him, but that he firstly and foremost came to serve mankind. And then we are arriving to today's passage. 
what we're going to be looking at today, we're going to be looking at a snippet of heaven. We're looking at Jesus and the Father, their relationship. We're looking um, at the statement that Jesus makes, saying that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And we're looking at the coming of the Holy Spirit. All right, so it's loaded today. I'll do my best to, to introduce you to these topics, but it's no way an open and closed exposition, teaching, whatever, preach on these subjects. I'm literally opening the box for these themes. As we go through John, further down the weeks, you'll get more and more added to what I'm, what I'm starting. But also, if you're at some stage of your faith, you're, before you've become a Christian or whatever, this is something really worth, really key to explore. And I'm not claiming to open and shut the topics in one go. All right. Okay. Um... Before we launch out, the big picture, I'm going, to, I'm going to come to read the whole passage in one go. But before we do that, the big picture for mankind, which we often sometimes don't look at because we're doing other things on a Sunday morning, or I focus maybe on Jesus, is that mankind was intended to be in relationship with God. That's why God the Father made us to dwell with him in the Garden of Eden. That went, fun, that went critically wrong at the point that sin entered the world, and that relationship was broken down. And God the Father has sought to restore that relationship between himself and mankind ever since. And Jesus is the final piece in that puzzle. And we are coming to know, we're, we're going to be, over the next couple of Sundays, we'll be looking in intimate detail exactly what he does and how he restores that relationship with mankind. So can you have that in the back of your mind, that God the Father has a desire to be in relationship with man and Jesus is going to be the means of achieving that? Right, I'm going to read. Follow me. Sometimes I make mistakes, all right? So we'll sweep over those. So I'm starting at John 14 and verse 1. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe in me also. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will, make my, make, and I will take you to myself, that where I am you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we cannot, Lord, we cannot know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on you do know him and have seen me. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long and you still not, do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe in me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me for anything in my name, I will do it. Some at verse 15. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be with you. I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. Yet a little while and the world will, not, will see me no more, but you will see me. 
Because I live, you, will, you, you also will live. In that day you will know that I am in the Father and, the Fa- and, you, are, and you in me and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he, is, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father and I will love him and manifest himself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself in us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my father will love him, and he will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but the father who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the help of the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and bring you and bring to you remembrance all that I have said. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away, and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would know you would have rejoiced because I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And now I've told you before it takes place so that when it does take place, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you, for the rule of the world is coming. He has no claim on me, but I do as the Father has commanded me, that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise, let us go from here. Quite a big passage, so thank you for staying with me. Um, I could do the drink quickly. Some water. Right. Okay. What I'm going to do... I'm going to paraphrase some elements, some of these key topics, um, and I'll refer a little bit back to the text, but we've been through it all so you know where we're going. The first thing that Jesus starts talking about, and he's alluded to it just at the end of chapter 13, is that he is going to be going. He's going to somewhere which the disciples cannot go along with him. I don't know about you, but um, Stuart's not here, he's our leader, and, and I feel like our leader's gone. Okay, so, well, okay, anything could happen. I said to Stuart on Friday night, it's gone really well up to here. If no one else comes back next Sunday, I do apologise, I'll be in South America hiding, all right, or something like that. So uh, the leader's not here, he's handed it over. So let's see how it goes. But Jesus is effectively saying to the disciples, I've been with you every step of the way so far. You've had your confidence in me, you've relied on me, I've demonstrated God, his desire to heal, his desire to bring knowledge of the new, teach the new testament that's coming, the new commandments. But I have to go somewhere where you cannot come. So the, so the, the, the foundation that the uh, disciples have stood on is being challenged. Now, verse four, in chapter 14, Jesus alludes to where he's going. He's not talking in clear language because I don't think they would truly have understood what was happening. Jesus is saying that he is going to his father's house where there are many rooms, and he's going there to prepare a place for them. That's alluding to heaven. I don't know, uh, Scripture elsewhere talks about what heaven may look like. Jesus chooses to use it as a a large place with many rooms, a place where each believer will be assigned, will have their own place. But it's it's about going to where the Father is and us being able to dwell there. But first of all, Jesus has to go on his own to make that way, to make the way possible. Jesus then comforts them by saying, I'll return to you. And I will take you and I will lead you there. I, I, want, I said to Stuart, I'm, I've got an analogy to try and help explain what's going on within, within the whole of chapter 14. And one of my hobbies is climbing, all right? And I think it really helped me get to grips with the passage. Um, 
I, 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 like a climb, I like climbing with ropes called trad climbing. And what would usually happen is that I'll go up with a, with a mate of mine, if not three of us, and this isn't climbing rope, this is just a, for analogy. And what you, what you do, you effectively stand in front of your, your route, depending on how steep it is, depends on how far you look back and how much you gulp. But um, I would tie into one end of the rope, and my colleague, my friend, would tie into the other part of the rope. And we would work as a pair that day, relying fully on one another and their, their ability, their knowledge, and the, and the places where they choose to put their gear. And um, as we're going, we're clipping things into the rock, finding little gaps and little um, crevices to, to place our gear. Then we clip our rope into it, and we rely, we anchor ourselves through those placements. Um, once my buddy goes first, and I've been holding the rope for him, making sure that if he falls, I can hopefully break his fall, I then have to follow him. So my f- eventually, once he's gone, my feet then leave the ground. We are now in thin air, and the thing that's holding us is friction. So it's our ability to hold onto the rock. <clears throat> it's the ability for the rock to remain firm and not give way underneath us, and then those placements. And I think God is, Jesus is giving the disciples anchors here. And we would... The anchor, the key for anchors being that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Eventually, I have to take over from my, from my friend, he, and then I then lead the next section of the rope because the rope isn't physically long enough to get to the summit, so we, over, we leapfrog one another as we go. But we have to rely on these anchors. And as if Jesus were one of our pair, midway through the climb, up in the, in the ether... It's a bit like Jesus unclipping and going, right, lads, I'm off. I've got to go somewhere that you can't come to me. And me and the other boys going steady on, but you're the knowledge. You're the expertise. We have faith in you, and you're just going to untie from the rope, and off you go. Leave us suspended. What are we going to rely on? And this is what he's telling us to rely on, these anchor points, the things that really grip us. All right? So that was a, a picture that I wanted to use to try and help translate or communicate where we're going. So Jesus is saying, I'm off to heaven. I'm off to prepare a way. It's somewhere you cannot come. I'm going on my own, but I'm then returning to come with you. Thomas, in his wisdom, in verse 5, then goes, uh, he says to me, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Thomas misses the point. Thomas, you cannot go with Jesus. I'm glad Thomas misses the point because it gives Jesus a chance to explain a bit further. But Thomas is, saying, Thomas is told, you cannot come with me on this bit of the journey. Those never, they've never been left before in this way. But God, Jesus is making very clear that he has to go alone to prepare the way for everyone to come in. That Jesus responds to Thomas by saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, it's important and, um, to appreciate, and it's something that I struggle with a bit in my faith, to, to, that, that Jesus, although he opens up the way to heaven, he then retains the route to heaven is all about Jesus. We, you'll hear us bash on about him every single week because he is fundamental to our faith. But Thomas is almost suggesting that, oh, right, Jesus, you've, you, you make the way possible and then we'll just, we'll just walk along and follow you of our own accord. Heaven isn't open. Jesus doesn't punch a hole in the side of heaven and say, all may flow in. Jesus says, I stand there and I've, it's through me that you come to heaven. He retains the exclusive way to Salvation, which I struggle with, and I'm going to come to that in the. Um, I'll, str- I'll say why I struggle with that in the, in the application point, but it's difficult. I have, I'm renewing my faith in the fact that Christ is the central route to God. Um, 
Actually, I better tell you now, because you might think, what the hell is this guy going to talk about in the next couple of days? Basically, growing up in a postmodern world, which says we've got to tolerate everybody, science is the truth, but postmodernism says there is no truth, being nurtured in that environment, although I know Christ and his personally invited me to come into self, to come to, to, um, into relationship with him, the ground, the, 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 everything around me says that we cannot exclusively hold firm to one truth. And although I know Christ and I'm saved by him, it doesn't half make it a battle day by day to live in a society which says, no, there's no single point of truth. And if it does say there's a single point of truth, it comes through science and even more so now technology. Technology is the answer. It's our means of in, um, making our life perfect. And that is a real struggle. So as we've been preparing for this, as I've been preparing for this, it's really risen my levels of faith to stand once more again and say, actually, yeah, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And I hope we're going we're to unwrap that now as we go. So Jesus comes back with this statement. He follows it up with saying, no one comes to the Father except through me. The Jews know at the time that relationship with the Father is so important. They've relied on the fact that um, they've got Jewish blood in them, God's chosen people, and the fact that they follow a sacrificial system. Now that system is going to be redundant in the next couple of hours because Jesus is coming to fulfill the final sacrifice to supersede that old system so that anybody, anybody living may come to know the Father through Jesus. It's no longer about blood and it's no longer about a sacrificial system. So that's uh, Jesus' response to Thomas. Philip then chips in in verse um, 8 and says, well, in that case, if it's all about knowing the Father, show us the Father and that is enough. Now, Jesus, I get the sense, in this scenario, I would think Jesus is a bit exasperated with the disciples. And he says to them, verse 9, Have I not been with you so long, and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am the Father, and the Father is in me? It's quite a mind-bending concept to imagine Jesus being the manifestation of God on earth. Now, let me put it like this. The Old Testament prophets came as someone to speak on God's behalf. They were fully human, but they spoke what God revealed to them. John the Baptist, we talked about earlier in John, he was one of those. Fully human, called to point to Christ. But Jesus is saying to him, here, I am the Father. The Father is in me. He's God become flesh. It bend, it's a mind-bending concept. And so Jesus is saying to the disciples, okay, you have seen me, you have heard from me, you've seen what I've done. I am the Father, believe in that. And he goes on to say in verse, the next, um, a bit further down, the words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. That's quite a remarkable statement, a claim, which Jesus has alluded to before, but now he's making it very clear in the private setting, just amongst his disciples, that he is the Father. Jesus throws, Jesus appreciating probably that's quite a big concept, throws in another little, um, another little encouragement to them in verse 11. He said, Believe in me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. Over the coming days, it's all, the, the wheels are well and truly going to come off this car in the way for the, for the, uh, for the disciples. It's going to look like a, um, a devastating thing has happened to their leader. But what Jesus wants them to do is to, have to, re- to retain their faith, to re- retain their courage in who he is 
and why he's here and what he's here to, to achieve. So he said, look at what I've done. And we uh, recapped um, briefly what Je- some of the things that Jesus had done. So he's raised the man from the dead. He's healed the sick. He's set the demon uh, people free from demonic. And he's taught with authority that no one has ever experienced before. So he's saying, if even at the, as a last resort, take courage of what I've demonstrated to you. Uh, right. So... Uh, as, we, as, we've, as we're exploring Jesus at this point, he's, he's, he's explaining that he's, he is the way to salvation. He is the way to the Father, and it only can come through him. Verse 12, and 12 to 14 is a, is a little bit of a bonus for us, but actually, I, as, I, as I prepared, I sort of skipped over it and thought, it's a bit, I can't really get my head around that. But as I've been doing more prep, it's become more and more important to me. And this is a message to the believers, I believe, those of us who already um, believe and those that, who, are to, who are to become believers, that this relationship between Jesus and the Father being one, whilst he's on earth, is going to change ever so slightly. Jesus is going to return to the Father. And that relationship that Jesus had with God while he was on the earth is being passed over to believers to have whilst he's on the, on the earth. June and Adams was talking about this on Tuesday night, and quite honestly, it just went whoosh, straight in my head. Um, but actually digging into this a bit deeper, that, rela- that inner relationship with, with Jesus in our own lives is really, really important. That is going to be explained a bit more as we go. Let's read what it says here. It says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will, will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father... So there's a sense of whatever Jesus has achieved will, will grow in number, will develop. I mean, we, none of us can go through what Jesus is going to go through to pay for the sins of the world. Let's be, let's be right about that. There might be a few people who think they're going to do that, a few false prophets and all of that, but that, would, that is a unique thing for God, uh, for Jesus to achieve. What's it vital for us is that he still wishes to bless the earth through us being here. It then goes on to say, whatever you ask for in my name, I would, this I would do, that my Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me for anything in my name, I will do it. Now that is, I've looked at that many a time and just sped straight on going, wow. For one, I don't want to be so plucky. I don't want to be so arrogant as to come up and say, God, can I have this? And by the way, if I use the name Jesus, you're tied up to do it. Um, I don't think that's the heart of the message here. What the message is, is that Jesus is raising, the, raising um, our belief, our faith in what he wants to do. He wants us to glorify the Father, continue to glorify the Father whilst he's in heaven. And he's got this unique gift to us, which is to ask of things in his name. And those things will be granted us to us for the glory of, the, for the glory of God. Am I, have I got that? Does that compute? All right, because it, it, it sort of scrambled my brain a little bit to begin with. Okay, we'll press on and we'll look at the, the life. Ah, 
I will just draw a quick parallel from the previous bit. The fact that Jesus is claiming or makes this claim or makes it very clear that he is in the Father, he's saying, look at me, this is the truth. So we've had the way, the only way, the journey that Jesus can only make. The truth element is the fact that I am in the Father, the Father is in me. Everything I've done, everything that I've manifested is God right in front of you doing that. I don't do it on my own authority. God passes, he, he enables that authority to be brought through me. So he's, he, Jesus is acting on the, the authority of God. The two of them are one. So when you look at God, when you look at Jesus and all that he's done, you're looking at truth. Right, that is the truth element. Now the life. In verse 15, um, actually I'm going to go to, I'm going to go to um, 17 first. No, I'm going to go to 18. Jesus says that um, he's not going to leave these guys as orphans, but he will come back to them in a little while and the world but the world will see him no more in that in that point at that point but ultimately Jesus has to return to heaven in order for the helper to be released now this is known as we we refer to the helper as the Holy Spirit but at this point the Holy Spirit is not dwelling on the earth Jesus is dwelling on the earth the Holy Spirit is not Jesus has to return to heaven because that's where he's he's dutifully supposed to be um, with Christ uh, with, with the Father in heaven, and the helper, the Holy Spirit, is, is released on all people, all mankind, for them to embody Christ uh, and God in them. And we're going to come to that a bit further on. Okay. It's. Uh, let me just make sure I'm keeping to my notes. So before um, Christ uh, returns to heaven for, on a permanent basis, he actually raises from the dead on the third day. I'm, hopefully you're familiar with the story, but we'll, get, we'll learn more about it in the coming weeks. And in, that, in those couple of weeks, Jesus has more knowledge to impart, just spends a bit more time with his disciples. Then he ascends to heaven, and then the Holy Spirit is released, the helper. And there's significant reasons why the Holy Spirit is released, and Jesus comes to those. The Holy Spirit is one that reveals truth, makes things knowable to believers. The disciples at the moment um, are given bits of information about Jesus disappearing, um, going up to heaven, coming back, that there's going to be... Um, it's going to be a hard journey, but they don't really understand what's going on. The, the full truth is hidden from them, and the Holy Spirit is, 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 said, is um, released to the, the spirit of truth to reveal everything. Almost if the light bulb comes on, all the, bit, all the dots are connected, and suddenly, ah, ah, this is what he's on about. Here we go. Um, so th- there's a significant role that the Holy Spirit plays, this spirit of truth. It goes on to, Jesus goes on to say that uh, let me sorry, give me a minute. That through the return, through the Holy Spirit coming, Jesus and God dwell within mankind. Like a bit earlier I was saying when Jesus is saying, Ask in my name and it will be given to you. The reason that can happen is because the Holy Spirit dwells within us. Jesus, go, Jesus says in um, between 18 and 24 that those who follow his commands love him. On the flip side, those who love him follow his commands 
And in that situation, that's when the Holy Spirit can come and live within us. That's when Jesus and the Father come and live within us. To empower us to know the truth, to live out in confidence, live, in, live faith-filled lives, to do the things that glorify the Father. So the return to heaven and releasing of the Holy Spirit is essential. But what blows me away, although I've been a Christian for so many years, and I've known this in the past but somewhat forgotten, is that, is that desire for God, the Father, to dwell within us. Julian was alluding to that on Tuesday night. And I, at that point, I was just like, is he for real? But the Holy Spirit helps us remember, leads us to remembrance. It says that in this section. And honestly, I'd forgotten these aspects. And seeking God and saying, God, help me, lead, help me through these things. Help me understand this has led me to, well, remembering these truths. Right. So there will be following Jesus, being living life that Jesus gives us will look, will, will work out in certain ways. It says Jesus in 20, verse 23, Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him. And he will come to him and make, and we will come to him and make our home in him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father who sent me. So we are going to become a dwelling place for Christ until we are in heaven where we're intended to be. So we've gone through the way, we've gone through the life, and we've gone through uh, the truth, and we've gone through the life. The final part of the, of the preach, um, uh, sorry, of the section, is, is, a, is an encouragement to the disciples specifically. In verse 25, he said, These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the help of the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Now Jesus says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. As not, not as the world gives to you, do I give it to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I'm going away and I will come to you. If you love me, if you loved me, you would have rejoiced because I'm going to the Father. For the Father is greater than I. And now I've told you before it takes place so that when it does take place, you may believe. Right. So Jesus is doing his best to prepare them. He's doing his best to provide them with those anchors which are going to hold them fast as things get really rocky. He's revealed some future truth to them, things they would not have been aware of unless they were. Although we know that the Holy Spirit will be poured out on all men, it says it in the Old Testament, this is for the first, well, real clear-cut message from Jesus Christ that he has to return to heaven in order for the Holy Spirit to be, re to be released and for all believers to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay. Let's apply this. In some way, my hope is that the Holy Spirit's been talking to you as we're going through may have highlighted something for you to go away and to think about, to meditate on and pray through. But I've got some more, uh, some specific applications. Um, to, to current believers, and I put myself in this bracket, do we stand on the truth that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth and the life? I've already alluded to the fact that although I'm saved and I know Christ and he's radically changed my life, he's transformed it completely still at periods of my life have lived with a dampened, dampened faith or a, or a bit of a um, just, but on a bit of a downer due to the environment which I live in. 
And the way I've been brought up, to say the, the, the essence that, um, if anything, science holds the ultimate truth. Postmodernism says there is no truth. And overall, Britain is a tolerant place of, to tolerate all people. So having that sort of environment has dampened my faith at times. Getting into the scripture, preparing this has, has really helped me um, work through those things. And actually to see God, uh, Jesus' work in a really fresh way. And to trust that he wants the Holy Spirit to, to live and dwell within us. So if, there's, um, if, that's, if that also speaks for anyone in this room, then I encourage you. I put down some action points. Um, I've made a commitment, I said to my wife, that um, I'm, going to spend a bit, I'm going to spend more time digging into his truth. So that practically means sitting down and putting aside some time to read his word. Now I do read his word and I pray about it, but actually to sit down and go, right, I'm going to get my teeth into this. Um, because ultimately, the Father wants to be in relationship with us. And, and as well as being in relationship with us, he wants us to glorify him while we're here on earth. And I'm going to spend time chewing over that because that's probably a bit that I've overlooked. All right, I've maybe prioritized something else in my faith. So if you're the, in that group, ask God to uh, just go humbly before God and say, help me. Help me unpack more of this um, truth. Um, also, if you're a believer and um, your faith has been knocked recently, um, the disciples were facing the loss of their leader and um, their faith was being shaken. Your faith may be shaken by other things in this life. First and foremost, what I do is just say to God, right, help me pray about this. Help me get this out. Let me pray through this thing. And then get someone alongside me, a believer, a member of the church who, who can listen, can pray as well, and maybe impart some wisdom. Life groups are really good for that. But the, the, the thing that can really hold us back is just keeping those things to ourselves. And I put my hand up. It takes me weeks, it takes me ages to get my finger on the nub of an issue, chewing it over in my head, and then blurting it out in some sort of messy fashion, which my wife has to pick up the pieces for. But um, once it's out in the open there, there's chances to pray through things, to read into Scripture, and for Christ just to break through in those areas. That's what real life is all about. And specifically, if you're on that path to, to becoming a Christian, to, you're investigating about Jesus, his claims, his life, the whole big picture of what God is here and what he is doing... If God has spoken to you this morning and said, yes, I've got the grain of mustard seed of faith which helps me take that step forward, I would, I would like to pray with you today. All right? So you can make yourselves known to me. If that is yes, I want to take that step. If it's a no, and I'm still on that journey, can I encourage you to keep coming back, keep asking questions. Why do we do what we do? Why do we claim to believe what we claim? And actually to demonstrate this. All right? God not only brings the word, but he brings the spirit in power. And that's really important that we, that we celebrate the both, that both of those. So stick with us. Keep asking questions. And we just cannot wait to, to, uh, to lead you into knowing the Father. Um, right, it's half past 11. I'll quickly tell you how, I'll quickly tell you, um, how I came to faith. Um, I, I came to faith at 12 years old. And I was at a Churches Together meeting on a Sunday night. And God... As I was sort of singing the songs and joining, and God, very, God the Father very clearly said to me, I will be your eternal Father. And to do that, you need to acknowledge Jesus Christ. And I was like, oh, I'm only 12 years old. What? Where did that come from? But that was clearly spoken into my heart. It, wasn't, it was my voice. It wasn't someone, someone else's voice. It was my voice. And the context for that is that my dad was starting to travel overseas. And he used to take a trip, six weeks, three months, whatever. He was doing that on a regular basis. So that whole element of fatherhood was really in my life. I was the oldest of four. And so when my dad wasn't there, it was really apparent. It was just mum 
was that, that authority figure. I'd been in church I'd, um, with them. I'd gone to Sunday schools and um, picked up on who Jesus was and things like that. But that invitation from the Father directly to say, I will, draw, I will bring you into a relationship with me for an eternity was just hit me like a bus. And he, and he then said, Jesus Christ is your route to me. Now, I'd got elements of that truth, which we've been talking to um, today, but I hadn't been able to line them all up. And God did that, line them all up. I went over to someone, in, uh, one of the older ladies in the, who I knew from church. I said, oh, this is what Jesus, I've just had this, um, this thing. This, I, it wasn't a voice. She said, talk me through it. She said, well, yeah, God's inviting you to salvation. Do you want to do it? And we prayed. And bang, the Holy Spirit came and lived within me, and I knew the Father. All right, so that desire is still on his heart to uh, draw all mankind to himself. All right, we'll finish there. I'm going to, do you mind, yeah? I'll hand over to you guys. We're going to, pr- I'll pray though before I hand over. All right. Yeah, Father God, Father God, look, with all that's just been shared, I pray that you would uh, help it make sense. You'd, uh, yeah, just help us process all of that. But, Father, just to remember that you desire for mankind to be in relationship with you. And you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to make that possible. Jesus, thank you for your um, servant hearts, your obedience to what the Father wished to do. And you went through with it right to the end. Now you're in glory with the Father. And your Holy Spirit is on the earth fulfilling that salvation call, transforming, transforming lives. Father, for everyone in this room, I pray that we get a touch of your Holy Spirit today in this meeting. Um, yeah in your precious name Amen